0: Psalm 139.7 says, And now, O Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in You. Waiting is more than just waiting for a thing, but it's waiting for a person. At least this is what that scripture implies. We're going to be looking at that today and other things on Soul Zero Two. Soul And welcome to Souls Road 2. This is the podcast that puts the oxygen back into the Christian life one soul at a time. And today we're talking about understanding divine delays. And when when you think about waiting on God, it, you know, this is kind of like my life message. I, I have always preached on this because I feel like I've spent so much of my time waiting. And, and the scripture before us that we read earlier, which uh, we'll put it up here again. It says, and this is David speaking, and now Lord... Now, O oh Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. And there's something about this that stands out to me in a very powerful way because we, we all wait for something, right? We wait for resolution. We wait for breakthrough. We wait for justice, for mercy, for healing, for restoration, reconciliation, renewal, provision, guidance, and spiritual realignment. And even that miracle that we all pray for, where we want that, you know, that miracle in our body or in our mind or in our lives that where, where God just brings, makes everything right, so to speak. The question is, are you waiting for a what? Or are you waiting for a whom? And this could be a very long teaching today, but I, I'm probably going to split it up into two teachings because I don't think I can go too far with it today. So I may just stop spontaneously somewhere and pick up in the next next time together. But our fate and future are bound up, not in an answer, but on the character of God. That, that's the point of this scripture. And we, we find that... that uh, you know, are, are you waiting for a what or are you waiting for a home and we, we also find this that there's a problem with waiting and the problem with waiting is, is that we are bound by time we are temporal but God is eternal and because we're bound by time there's this constant struggle with not being able to see the, the zoomed out view that only God can see God is without time and, and it says it in the scriptures. It says it in, in uh, Psalm 90 and uh, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 90, verse 2 through 4, where it says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn us back to dust and say, Turn back, you mortals, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday. When it is past, or like a watch in the night, and this scripture begins to try to wrap our minds around how eternal God is, which we can't—we can't figure that out because we're earthbound, we're we're time-bound, we're temporal, and our vantage point in time is through a peephole. But God's God sees all moments as one s- single sweep. He sees it all at the same time in fact Peter Sammons points it this way he said the eternal God views past present and future in a single divine instant he sees past and future with equal vividness as if all time were at once before him and that's just mind boggling that you can see all of it the history from, from the beginning of creation to the end of all things he sees all of it But compared to eternity, we are just a passing fog. It says it in James 4.14. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes like a watch in the night. And we find that life, A.W. Tozer said this about life. He said, life is a short and fevered rehearsal for a concert we cannot stay to give so the question is today How do you make your time of waiting Productive, right? Because this is about divine delays This is about waiting That, that you're, in, you're in that waiting room With God, or just waiting for Him to do something In your life, or, or to bring breakthrough In some way, or healing, or a miracle Whatever it is How do you manage that? Well, well the first thing we can, we can maybe think about Is this Make sure that you are waiting For the right thing Again, it says, And now, O Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. God wants our times of waiting to be bound up in none other other than him. What is your object of hope? Are you waiting for an answer, right? Are you waiting for a thing? Or are you waiting on God? That's a very, very different thing when you're trying to navigate divine delay. Are you waiting for a what? Or are you waiting for a whom? it's almost as as david who wrote this psalm was was catching himself from making the mistake of focusing on the object or the answer to refocusing on the character of god he's like wake up What, what am i waiting for my hope is in you lord all my all of what i do is bound up in you and god longs to be wanted for relationship not just resource God does not want to be just tapped for stuff, but He wants to be trusted with the deepest part of you. And maybe that's the point of what I'm trying to say today, that, that waiting is 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 just an interesting thing. That So make sure you're waiting for the right thing, but also make sure of this. Wait like a marathon runner, not a sprinter. How do you wait like a marathon runner? The very thought of waiting and running in the same sentence doesn't make sense because when you're running, man, you're trying to get away, right? But in this case, I remember when I was a kid, I went to camp and they had this obstacle course you had to run. And I was a really good runner. I could run many miles a day and and I loved it. And so I said, oh, I got this in the bag. So but what I didn't think about was that this obstacle course, a great deal of it was uphill and turns and winds and you had to jump down here and go up here and it was so I started sprinting and I blew everyone out of the water for the first hundred yards then I realized as I was going uphill the mistake I made that I was trying to run a marathon race like a sprinter because this obstacle course was, was kind of lengthy it was probably a good half a mile at least and you had to pace yourself to make sure that you made the end so that was my mistake and that's why Hebrews 12.1 uh 12:1 says let us run with perseverance right or patience is another word the race that is set before us you're running not to sprint and 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 kind of be so far ahead of everybody that hey you can brag you're running to win you're running to truly win and to finish it so endurance is defined this way The fact or power of enduring an unpleasant or difficult process or situation without giving way. We've been living in a long season, you know, since before COVID had started, a long season of just many trials and tribulations in the world, just wars and rumors of wars and disease and all these politics, everything. And I think the only believers who are going to survive are the ones who refuse to give way and focus more on the character of God than on what they want. And so I say that to say that endurance teaches us self-control. I I want to break down endurance just for a minute. It teaches us self-control. In Luke 21, Jesus prophesied what would happen in the near future. Thousands of Christians would be publicly murdered under Nero in AD 64. And, And Jesus prophesied about this, about all these things that would happen, about persecution, uh, about you know, you know running to the hills about now it 's time to get a sword and all these things and then he he says this very powerfully he says in luke twenty one nineteen he says and let me just uh, i don 't think I have it on me but he says this in luke twenty one nineteen by your endurance you will gain your souls." And there's something about that, that's saying, my soul has to be one. I mean, I'm already saved, I get that, right? But you still have to persevere. You can't just say, oh, I'm saved, and then just sit on your laurels and do nothing with your life in God. Christianity is movement and life and purpose, in Him. And sometimes we can act like spiritual orphans because we, we don't understand what endurance is that we have to endure in waiting, and we see ourselves as people rejected by God, instead of overcomers that are empowered for the moment. But endurance also teaches us surrender. And I I already have the point up there, but a prayer of faith and surrender in Psalm 31.15 Says it plainly. It says, "My times are in your hand." So first there is the surrender, but then he gives the request: "Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and persecutors." So, so he didn't have to ask God for what he wanted first. He didn't want the object first. He wanted God first. He says, "Lord, I belong to you. My my will and destiny is bound up in you." So, Lord. This is where I'm at. Now, here's my request. There's something powerful about that. And we charismatic Pentecostals, we believe in faith. We know that, that you know God can do anything, and he, he can and will. But there's a fine balance we have to find between faith and surrender of saying, Lord, my life belongs to You. And so I, I say that to say this, that... that uh, That surrender is hard, not because it's the opposite of work, but because you see, because you are resigning yourself to work God's way. And there's something about that that is very, very powerful, isn't it? The idea that, that, uh, that it's almost harder just to try to figure it out, or it's almost easier to try to figure it out yourself in your mind, but it's much harder to let God do it and you work his way instead. But I, I also want to say this: that in, endurance uh, teaches us to navigate our time-bound thinking, and uh, we're again we're creatures of time. We're, we're we're stuck in time, and the older you get, the more you start to sense the passing of time, and understand that there are less days in front of you than there are behind and some begin to see life not with the audacity of youth but with the gravity of age they may be tempted to ask themselves where is the promise where is the blessing god told me he would give me where is that prophetic word that i heard so many years ago of what he would do in my life but endurance teaches us how to how to navigate those thoughts we find in in uh, 2 Corinthians 4.16, it says, So we do not lose heart, even though our outer nature is wasting away. Our inner nature is being renewed every day. And there's something that we learn in this, that you can look on the outside and say, well, my whole body is deteriorating, and man, I don't have much time left. Or you can look at it God's way. God, God sees the whole picture, and He sees your place in it. And I want to close with a, a short story of written by N.T. Wright about a stonemason's part in building the ge, ge, the great cathedral, because whenever they built these great cathedrals, some sometimes they took generations to build. I mean, they were have you ever seen these cathedrals? They were amazing. And he says the architect already drew up the plans, and passed and passed on the instructions to the team of masons as to which stones need carving in what way. The foreman distributes these tasks among them. One shapes stones for a particular tower or turret. Another carves the delicate pattern that breaks up the otherwise foreboding straight lines. Another works on carvings or coats of arms. Another is making statues of saints, martyrs, and kings or queens. They are vaguely aware that the others are are getting on with their tasks. And they know, of course, that many other entire departments are busy with very different tasks as well. When they are finished with their stones and their statues, they hand them over without necessarily knowing very much about where in the eventual building their work will find its home. They may not have seen the complete architect's drawing of the whole building with the bit identified in its proper place. They may not live either to see the completed building with their work at, at last where it belongs, but they trust the architect that the work they have done in following instructions will not be wasted. They are not themselves building the cathedral, but they are building for the cathedral, And when the cathedral is complete, their work will be enhanced, ennobled, will mean much more than it could have meant as they were chiseling it and shaping it down in the Stolmeinson's yard. Isn't that amazing when you think about it? That faithful work done in obscurity is never wasted with God. And maybe you feel like you've been Obeying God in your calling, whatever that is. Maybe you're called to the marketplace. Maybe you're called to uh, to the pastorate, or maybe you're a missionary. Whatever you are, whatever it is, maybe you feel like sometimes, well, it, this is not seen. Is is this worth it? What I'm doing? What I'm? It's never wasted because God sees it. And I'm going to stop there because I could have kept going, but I don't want to, you know, go any longer. We're going to kind of split this in half, and maybe next time we'll we'll do the next part. But I want to encourage you to To press into God in your season of, of waiting of delays and don't be put off by delays. Delays are are as the old saying goes. They're not denials. You have to persevere. You have to be patient. So if you like this podcast, please leave a like and subscribe it and recommend it to a friend. And check us out on YouTube, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Facebook. Until next time, it's so great, so great to be with you. God bless.